Well, it's so good to be back again for today, the final message in our series. And I want to welcome you wherever you're making your connection, Kindle Campus, Gables Campus, across the nation, around the world. And for this final message, I want to take you back to that scene in Empire Strikes Back, where Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader are like battling it out one-on-one. And they're on the deck, and uh, the lightsabers are clashing full charge, you know, wah, wah. And then there, turn, there comes a turn in the battle where Darth Vader, though Luke is not yet a full Jedi, it looks like he's holding his own. And so Darth Vader starts using the mind power of the dark side of the force and dislodging stuff from within the ship. Support beams, vents, boxes, throwing all of this stuff at Luke at one time. So not only is he fending off the lightsaber, he is now having to take all the incoming bombardment as well. And uh, finally, some of them shatter the window behind him and he is sucked through the window into the tunnel where he will now have his encounter with Darth. Now, I think of that image in my mind, and sometimes I want to add this caption. Ever had one of those days? Ever had one of those days where it feels like everything's been thrown at you, including the kitchen sink? Now, for our international listeners, kitchen sink is an English figure of speech that means that everything else within reach and the kitchen sink and everything in it has now been hurled at you and you have to figure out how to respond to the bombardment. Some days feel like that, don't they? Yes. I mean, recently at the White House where I live, I want to tell you that the air conditioner stopped working, the refrigerator died, the uh, dishwasher stopped washing dishes, and uh, the internet went out. I mean, my computer was done and gone, and because the internet line was broken, the TV was out too. I mean, it was like, now what time for all the appliances at my house? Now, I realize that all of those are relatively minor in the big scheme of life, But when they all go out one after the other in a short time frame, it's like, now what? Now, our series is Now What? And in it, we have been in the wilderness of emotional depletion with Elijah. We've been in the wilderness of human mistake, sin, and error with Moses. We have been in the wilderness of relational abuse and abandonment with Esther. And today we join Paul, the Apostle Paul, with what could be considered a wilderness of inconvenient circumstance. Acts chapter 27 and 28. And Paul has appealed his case all the way to Caesar's court. And now in the last two chapters of Acts, we're tracking with him on his voyage to Rome. But by the time he gets to Rome, he's been on three ships, endures a hurricane, survives a shipwreck, and then turns a snake bite into an opportunity. We'll see how. But in this adventure, Paul models for us not simply how to be saved from our troubles and not merely how to survive our circumstances, but he, uh, we see him harnessing them and actually giving shape through them to a kingdom future. 
He shows us how to harness our life circumstances to the greater glory of God. Harness your life circumstances to the greater glory of God. Now that's probably the central application to this message, but it's like, don't simply be a survivor and don't merely ask God to get you through your troubles or deliver you from your troubles, but instead, why not pray this way? Lord, show me how to harness them and use them for your greater glory. Challenging thought. But here's what's happened. Paul has grown. Some of you are growing believers. Paul has grown to the point that he is no longer merely a thermometer in life, only reflecting the temperature of the environment around him. He's now a thermostat. He's like a climate control agent, and he is living on mission and purpose and filtering every incoming circumstance through the mission and purpose of God. Now, if there were a now what question here about being stranded in life, it would be about being stranded by circumstances beyond your ability to change. You've been there, right? You know what that means. Now, this may not be a new thought to you, but you know what Paul does? Harnesses them. Harness them. And uh, like I said, this may not be a new thought to you, or maybe it is. But instead of being the victim, instead of playing the victim in your circumstance, Instead of, instead of being overwhelmed and overcome, what if you were to see yourself as a surfer riding a monster wave? Or a rodeo cowboy who's going more than the eight-second distance on that muscled bull that is trying to throw you? Associated Press ran a story in July about a 23-year-old surfer. His name is Koa Smith, and he rode a wave off the western coast of Africa for a two-minute, one-mile ride, stayed upright the whole time through eight barrels on that wave. That barrel is what the wave cresting and curving over the rider's head as he comes through. He actually had a drone overhead and a GoPro camera on himself. And so let's just take a look. This isn't all of it, but it's the inside and outside of some of it. Can you imagine? Now, I know you're not a bull rider. I know you're not a wave surfer, most likely. But I also know this. Every one of us are challenged by circumstances that are beyond our ability to change, sometimes over our head. What are we supposed to do in that circumstance? Well, how about this? If you can't alter your circumstances, then how about alter them before God? Harness your circumstances 
to the greater glory of God and then watch lives be saved and watch lives be changed. Jesus does that with the cross and every one of his followers who are called to take up your cross and follow him can do it too. Now let's just get into the story. Acts chapter 27, verse one. Paul and other prisoners, he's a prisoner at the time, under the command of Roman centurion Julius, board a ship from Adramidium and verse four, have to hug the coastline because the winds are against them. You ever feel like the winds are against you? Verse seven, they changed ships, but they made slow headway for many days and had difficulty. Life ever feel like that to you? When the wind didn't let us hold our course, it's too strong for them. What happens? He says, we moved along the coast with difficulty. Verse eight. Now, Paul, here's the thing. Paul believes he's got a divine appointment with Caesar in Rome. But keeping that divine appointment wasn't smooth sailing for him. In fact, he says a premonition. In verse 10, men, I can see that our voice is going to be disastrous. That's not good news. It's going to bring great loss to our ship and our cargo and to our own lives also. Well, they don't listen to him. And the next thing you know, verse 14, before very long, a wind of hurricane force swept down from the island and the ship was caught up by the storm. Now, some of us in South Florida have endured and experienced several storms, hurricane force winds. Can you imagine experiencing one at sea on a small vessel? That's what he's doing right now. We gave way to it, I guess so. And then we're driven along, I guess so. And next thing you know, they're passing ropes under the boat, trying to hold the hull together. And then a little bit later, it says they're dragging anchor, trying to avoid sandbars. You got to read this story for yourself in the last two chapters of Acts. Verse 18, we took such a violent battering. They began to throw cargo overboard. On the third day, not one day, not two days, this is the third day now they've been throwing stuff overboard. They finally got down to the ship's tackle, throwing it overboard. And then when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, he's not even counting them now, but it's been dark for a really long time. And guess what? The storm continued raging. See the picture? Paul stands up, listen to this. And he says, now, I urge you, keep your courage because not one of you will be lost. This is good news. Only the ship will be destroyed. <laughs> That's the bad news. I guess, thank you, I guess, you know. But last night, an angel of the God whose I am and whom I serve stood beside me and said, so do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. There's a divine appointment that you're gonna keep. And God has graciously given you all the lives, the lives of all who sail with you. So keep your courage, men. 
I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. And then this kind of afterthought, nevertheless, you know, we will run aground on some island. I guess that part of the message wasn't quite that clear. Sure enough, by the end of the chapter, all 276 on board are safely ashore in spite of a ship that's been dashed to pieces and then a host of Roman soldiers that want to kill all the prisoners before they make land when they're swimming to the beach. Man, what a story. And yet because of it, 276 people are saved. The residual effect of one person living all in for Jesus, impacting other lives. Now, speaking of the residual effect of one all-in Christ follower, verse 28, chapter 28, I mean, tells us that once they were ashore, I mean, it was rainy, it was cold, they've got a fire going, and as Paul was going out to gather wood for the fire, a viper bites him. Don't know what it felt like, but others are watching and see this and they're thinking there's a kind of uh, karma. There's a kind of karma justice at work here. You know, he may have escaped the storm, but he's not dodging his destiny. And then when they see that not only does he not swell up or fall dead, then verses eight and nine tell us that Paul is actually using that snake bit hand to help heal others. That's ironic, huh? I mean, the story is literally dripping with irony. We read back a little bit further and it says that Paul, he could have been set free, but it's because of his own choice. He appealed to Caesar. He didn't have to be going through any of this stuff, but he's there by his own decision. That's ironic. Who chooses that? He's a prisoner under Roman authority on board, and yet by journeys in, guess what? He's the one who's overseeing the distribution of food, and he's the one who is encouraging everybody to keep their courage in the midst of it. That's ironic, right? He's on his way to present to, to uh, present the message to represent the God who saves before the highest office in the land, Caesar. But God hasn't saved him. God didn't save him from the inconvenient circumstance of a storm, a shipwreck, or a snake bite. That's ironic. I'm saying, what kind of God is this? One who appreciates irony. The kind of king who rules from a cross, this is our God. The one who chooses to show his saving, staying and shaping power through inconvenient circumstances and through the faith of his people who are growing through them. So God starts, here's the, here's the summary of the story in our lives. God starts with you by saving power. 
saves us from the penalty of our sin, forgiven because of the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. And then next, God grows us through his staying power. The power, theology, the, theology calls this the perseverance of the saints. The staying power to persevere through the hardships and the adversity. This is like Christ rising from the dead and giving us his power. Staying power. And then God uses us to be part of the shaping power of his redemptive work to fulfill his mission in our world. Now, is it ironic that God wants to, the God who wants to save wants to save through you? He wants you to join him in his saving work as you give shape, the shaping power of his redemptive work in the world. He wants you to give shape to that power, in fact, in every inconvenient circumstance of life. I believe God allows inconvenient circumstances in believers' lives so that they can grow, so we can grow. Grow to what? Grow to harness them by faith and then use them to the greater glory of God. Harness your circumstances by faith and use them to the greater glory of God. And the residual effect of one believer living all in for Christ is that people around him by the hundreds get saved, get fed, people get healed. I believe that God lets his people be storm-tossed, shipwrecked and snake bit, washed up and snake bit so that others around them can experience God's grace, God's truth, God's message, God's touch through them. Now I know it's ironic. <laughs> it's ironic, but God allows circumstances of defeat, of delay, of disappointment, of disaster, even disaster. Why? So Christ followers can apply faith, raw and real, to harness those circumstances and use them for God's saving purpose. This is the deep end of the pool, by the way. If, uh, if you were looking for a health and wealth prosperity gospel to make your life a little easier today, you came to the wrong place. This message is heavy cardio training for those God is planning on using to change the world. And the way he calls us to change it is by first joining it in its pain. That means believer, if you feel right now, if you feel yourself right now in an inconvenient circumstance and you're wondering why hasn't God saved me from this? It may be because God is giving you a chance not just to go through it by staying power, uh, but to grow through it and see others saved as you use shaping power and see it unleashed through you. You can surf that wave. That's what I'm saying. You can ride that bull. You can use your storm, your shipwreck, your snake bite to help somebody else. You can harness that circumstance to the greater glory of God. Now, I'm not a master at this. I'm telling you, I'm a struggler too, but I've got shipwrecks in my life. I've got snake bites in my life. So what am I doing? Well, I'm learning to appreciate irony. 
and I am taking some ironic language and doing some self-talk by faith with it, like what? Like this. I may not always know why stuff happens, but I know why I'm here. Can you say that? You know, I'm living on purpose. I'm living all in for Christ. And just because I'm living on purpose for Christ doesn't mean the problems dodge me. No, Paul, they just keep on coming like all that stuff Vader was throwing at Skywalker. It's not that I expect problems to go away. No, God allows them to come so that I can harness them and then ride them. Paul was just gonna ride them right into Caesar's place in Rome. How do we do that? Same way he did. Here's what I'd suggest. Listen to God. In the middle of his storm, Paul was listening. Then share what you're hearing. Make it verbal, make it visible, speak it out, share it with those around you. Then third, reject the victim mindset from the outset. Listen to God, share what you're hearing and reject the victim mindset from the outset. Instead, see yourself as a thermostat controlling climate around you instead of a thermometer victim to the temperature of your circumstance. Now, how can I do that? Well, try this. Start saying to yourself, every day come what may, I'm here for the greater glory of God. You know, that one works wherever you go, whatever you do. Hey, every day come what may, I'm here for the greater glory of God. What does that mean? That means that I won't just look for God's message around me in my life. I will seek to be Christ's message in the middle of my mess. This is a step of great growth and faith. I'm not just gonna look for God's message to serve me. I will seek to be Christ's message in the middle of my mess. Your mess at home, yes. Your mess in your marriage, yes. Your mess at work, yes. Your mess at school, yes. Your mess at circumstance, yes. Wherever it looks like a mess is trying to get all over you, that's the place to say, now Lord, we got a divine appointment and I'm here for the greater glory of God. So use this mess. In the middle of Paul's messes, he just keeps doing ministry. Do you notice that? I mean, he shares his words of faith. He puts his hands to work. Whether it's throwing stuff overboard or gathering wood for the fire or sharing food with the hungry. And he stays engaged. And then, I mean, he's building relationships with Julius the centurion and the soldiers on the ship with Publius, the chief official on Malta and his whole family. In other words, Paul is listening. Paul is sensitive to those around him. Paul is building relationships. Paul does ministry in the margins of his life, even the messy ones. Paul has learned how to start mastering the ministry of interruptions. You know about the ministry of interruptions? Those things that you're thinking, man, this is just interrupting my plans, disrupting my status quo. And actually Paul is saying, you know, God can meet us here. And the same thing could happen for you. That very thing you're calling an interruption or a disruption in your life right now can be the place where God can meet you and give shape to a new future. Just like Morgan Freeman said in Glory, where he says, you know, if we're going down, I'm gonna go down standing up. I'm not a victim here. I refuse to play the victim in my own life story. If I can't alter my circumstances, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna alter them to the greater glory of God. You can too. 
You can say this, as God, as you give me grace, I will use my storm-tossed, shipwrecked, snake-bitten hands to help somebody else to find healing in you. I'm gonna live my life so that whoever is with me and around me at home, at work, at play, at church is going to feel the residual effect of one believer all in for Christ. They're gonna feel the effect of God's shaping power through me. 276 lives were graciously saved by God through Paul's struggles. He can save others through yours too. On Hacksaw Ridge, Desmond Doss saved 75 lives during one of the bloodiest battles in World War II in the Pacific, and he did it without ever carrying a weapon. He was a conscientious objector in that way, and yet Doss, a Christ follower, wanted to serve his country, wanted to serve others, and here's what he said. I was praying the whole time, and I just kept praying, Lord, please, Help me get one more. Harriet Tubman. I mean, that's harnessing the circumstance of inconvenience. Harriet Tubman did it too. Though she was raised in slavery in Maryland, she escaped in 1849. And uh, she said this, I looked at my hands and and uh, I, I looked to see if I was the same person. Now I was free. And there was such a glory over everything. The sun came through like gold through the trees and, uh, and over the fields. And I felt like I was in heaven. She just, I was free. I was safe. It was good. But it wasn't the end of her story. It was the beginning. She made 19 return trips to the south into the hellishness of slavery to help deliver at least 300 fellow slaves out in what came to be called the Underground Railroad. Now, you may have learned about that and about her in school, but what you may not have learned is that she was a devout believer. Tubman said she would listen carefully to the voice of God as she led slaves north and she would only go where she felt God was leading her. A fellow abolitionist friend, Thomas Garrett, said this, quote, I never met any person of any color who had more confidence in the voice of God. Close quote. Tubman said this, I always told God, I'm gonna hold steady on you and you got to see me through raw faith, and as to the Underground Railroad, she said, I never lost a passenger. Now, sometimes in the inconvenient circumstances of lives, God is actually giving us a way to show his shaping power in order to help save others. Are you the only believer in your workplace, in your class, in your family, in your school, does it feel like that? People make fun of you because, you're, because of your goodness, because of your kindness. Do people leave you out because they know you go to church? What are you supposed to do? Harness that. Live for Christ. Go all in. Do your part. Let your light shine. You don't have to be fanatic. I'm not saying that. But you just got to be real. You got to let your light Shine, let your faith show. Roll up your sleeves and help out. You know, gather wood. 
Help take out the trash. Do the chores. You don't have to have all the answers, but you do have to share what you know along the way with anybody who's willing to listen. And God will use you on his railroad, whether you're before your slave driver or you're before the highest office of the land. Listen, one person's faith, the residual effect of one person's faith can still save scores. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for the residual effect that we feel when we're around here. That just being around our brothers and our sisters and feeling their faith and sharing their love and and being lifted by their hope restores the joy of our salvation so many times. And I'm praying today that uh, as we give thanks for the many who allowed the residual effect of their faith to get on us, that you would now raise us up to do the same thing. That as we prepare to go from this place, we will go under your command and trusting your shaping power to help us be part of the solution. Brother, sister, you say amen to that prayer, then lean in. And perhaps today, seeker, you are with us and are saying, you know, I, I know about storms. I know about snake bites. I know about hurricane force winds in my life. But what I haven't experienced is the kind of courage and hope that you're talking about. You know what? You can have it today. I'm going to offer a prayer right now. Join me in it if you want to. Lord Jesus, I believe you're the master of the sea. Storms obey your command. And that when you don't stop the storm, you grow us in them. And I'm welcoming you to my storm today. Come into my life. Come into my circumstance. Forgive my sins. I'm turning from my way to your way and inviting you now to lead me to experience your saving power, your staying power, and your shaping power. Jesus, come into my life and help me become all you would have me be. Now, if you join me in that prayer and would let me ask God's blessing upon you, then Lord, I'm asking you to do that right now as we make our prayer in Jesus' name, amen.